Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. Hey everyone, Carson Cunningham here. Sorry we're just now getting this podcast out. Colby Powell and I recorded a pod on Friday, and I thought, you know, we all know the website is down due to maintenance, getting it ready for football season, which we were very excited for. I thought that I'd uploaded it to SoundCloud and was going to tweet out a link and apparently uh, did not get uploaded. My birthday is next week. I am about to be 38 years old. Not quite a man, not quite 40, but Apparently, my technological uh, advancements are, are aging as well, and uh, but we just now are getting this up, so appreciate your patience, and again, once football season gets here, we're going to crank out two a week back to our normal schedule. Uh, this is a fun pod. You know, anytime I get to talk about the Big Ten and its overinflated ego, worth, football, I go on a pretty good rant about that, the strength of the SEC as well, and Colby actually does a pretty good job convincing me on how long Mike Gundy will coach at Oklahoma State. So, again, sorry for the delays on the pod. Here it is. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined, as always, by Colby Powell on this blazing hot yet uh, rainy Friday. I got caught in a rainstorm, Colby. I was playing golf earlier today, and it was, you know, we were all sweltering, putting ice towels on, and all of a sudden this to quote Forrest Gump, this big old fat rain came through, and uh, it was kind of a, a weird day, but uh, it's good to be with you here on the Friday. It was very weird. I, I try to work out at the house as much as I can, and I always end my workouts by going outside. I've got three huge dogs, so I go outside, I scoop the dog poop, and then I throw the tennis ball and run with the dogs and stuff while I'm already hot and sweaty. Uh, and I went out today to do that. Soon as I walked out, it's like a massive raindrop hit me right in the middle of the head, and I look up. I actually physically looked up as if to, to say to, to Mother Nature, are we doing both of these things at once right now? Is this sunny and 105 and it's also raining? And apparently it was. Uh, and it immediately went right back to being sunny and 105 and it is humid as could be outside. Yeah, like, you know, I've lived in Oklahoma my entire life and I don't think I've ever seen anything like that where it's over 100 degrees. And, and it was like legitimate storm. Like we heard thunder, some lightning and like, cold wind blew through and then it left and then it was scorching hot again and obviously humid so it was uh, a weird day um probably not that's probably not the pac 12 striking back we'll get back to uh, some more realignment talk some uh, some mike gundy talk uh tennessee got hammered by the ncaa we always love talking about the ncaa around here but first let's hear from chris's university spirit your one-stop cowboy shop be sure to stop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. And again, football season's right around the corner. You don't want to wear your old T-shirt, your polo that you spilled beer on all last year, the one that you, you spilled a limey on at the Copper Penny. You want to go get a fresh polo, fresh shirt. You want to look good on game day. And go to Chris's. They'll hook you up. And you don't, you don't even have to go beforehand. If you want to go on Saturday of the first game, go head over to Chris's. They'll hook you up. And uh, we appreciate them sponsoring the podcast as always. Well, Colby, we kind of touched on it a little bit last week. There was a lot of talk about realignment at Big 12 Media Days. And since then, there's been, you know, more reporting that the Big 12 has basically said, you know, look, Pac-12, we're, we're, you, you have no interest for us. You have no value for us. We're, we're good without you. We, we might take some of your schools, but thanks, but no thanks. But there's, Colby, there's the latest reports, you know, the NBC's getting involved uh, reportedly with TV deals. And I think that's kind of the thing you and I should hit on is, you know, the Big 12's contract is up after OU and Texas leave and the Pac-12 is up before that. But I think the Big 12's in a really advantage, advantageous position because NBC's not going to go away. Look, come come join us and we'll pair you with Notre Dame. That That, that doesn't make financial sense. Uh, there's a lot of ways to tackle it, Colby, but just more and more as time passes with each day passing, it just appears that the Big 12 is here to stay. And again, a year from a year ago, we were thinking, let's pack our bags and go anywhere but the Big 12. But just with the NBC now getting in the fold, it seems uh, the Big 12 is going to have a lot of options TV wise and certainly realignment wise. 
Yeah, it's weird. I think it was a year ago yesterday, whenever the Texas U News broke that they were going to the SEC. And when I saw that on Twitter, I, it actually physically took me back a little bit. I'm like, has it only been a year? That feels like it was five years ago it was announced that OU and Texas Crazy. were going to the SEC. I couldn't believe that it had only been a year. But, uh, yeah, at this point, you know, why would the Big 12 merge with the Pac-12? It's just the Pac-12 has no value. The Pac-12 wanted to sit on their hands and do nothing. The Pac-12 was in the perfect position to poach the Big 12 and become a mainstay conference nationally last summer. And they looked at Oklahoma State and Baylor and, and sure, let's throw Kansas in there with basketball, you know, whoever else, TCU, Kansas State, Iowa State, whoever else you want to throw in there. They looked at those schools and they said, nah, we're good. And guess what? Now the, the roles have totally reversed. The Big 12 is in position to take some of the bigger names from the Pac-12, whether that be Utah, Oregon, the Arizona schools, Colorado, who knows, Stanford. Uh, but, yeah, now the Pac-12, the, the shoe is on the other foot, and the Big 12 has no need to merge with the Pac-12. So wasn't shocked at all to see those headlines coming out. Uh, it, it will be very interesting to see as NBC gets involved. I want, I want to get your thoughts on this, Carson. We're getting to a point now in sports where used to, you know, it was ESPN, Fox, NBC, CBS, ABC. That, that's kind of who's competing for all of these contracts to televise these games with all these different schools. But now we are increasingly living in a world where Apple just wants to put as many things as they can on Apple to just keep you on Apple. And Amazon wants to do the same thing. They're competing for Sunday ticket. Uh, you, you know, they even offered more money to Formula One than ESPN offered, but Formula One chose ESPN because they wanted to stay on that platform and not be behind a paywall. I'm, I'm fascinated to see, A, what happens with Notre Dame and NBC. D does NBC pay Notre Dame enough to prevent them from joining a conference? or does Apple or Amazon come in? I I'm fascinated to see how the televising of sports, and in, in particular in the context of this conversation, the televising of collegiate sports, namely football, changes as the streaming services, namely Amazon and Apple, continue to get more and more involved because I think the way we consume college sports five years from now could be, not I mean, not slightly different. I'm talking night and day different from the way we consume them now. Absolutely. And it, it really punched me right in the forehead last year when I was in Norman covering uh, one of OU's football games and I get back to the TV station and I'm like, I need to watch Oklahoma State, Kansas State. How do I watch it? Oh, it's on ESPN Plus. So what did I do? I subscribed to ESPN Plus because I wanted to watch Oklahoma State football. And I think with Big 12 basketball and football, both the way they've in integrated that it's either adapt or you don't get to watch the games you want to watch. So for all the old timers, I think they're going to have to learn how to stream and, and download all these apps. And you make a great point. I, I think that is just the beginning, the ESPN plus model. I think you're totally right. I think Amazon, all these streaming services, they want in the game because it's been proven like TV ratings are driven by live sports. No one watches live you know, over the air NBC sitcoms anymore. If they want to watch something, they either DVR it or mainly they, they stream it with Netflix and all of those things. And, and I think that's a real avenue for the big 12. They could be kind of, since their contracts coming up uh, along with the pac 12, they can kind of be ahead of the curve here with an Amazon with a, with a streaming service. But you mentioned Notre Dame, they've been reported as saying they want 75 million per year from NBC because that's basically what they could get, you know, from, from a big 10 or, a, or an sec. And it doesn't make sense for NBC to do that because they only get to own six home games for Notre Dame. When Notre Dame's on the road, they're not on it. They're not on NBC. They're not, it's not, not under their network. And so it makes total sense to me. And I think a lot of people, and that's why these reports are out there, but NBC could package the big 12 along with that just to give them more programming. Cause it doesn't make sense to pay $75 million for six football games. And, so it's, uh, it's definitely something that Colby, I think it's going to change faster than probably you and I or anybody really expects. But it's just, it's, it's proven too that Oklahoma State, and this is where it's so key for them, and I think that's why they're on such firm footing. And you've seen these reports about TV ratings, and I read a really good article. I can't remember. I, I wish I had it pulled up, but I don't. Oklahoma State ranked 19th in TV ratings. 19th that's 
that's a little below what I thought they would be, but that's still obviously really, really good. So I think they're going to be on firm footing with that. But I don't know where it goes in terms of, of TV contracts for, for Oklahoma State and the Big 12, but they're certainly streaming is certainly an option. NBC is certainly an option. But I wanted to bring this up to you, Colby. Uh, Barry Trammell wrote a really good piece for his, his scissor tails on Friday, and I hadn't really thought of this. I'm, I'm curious how, how you view it. He's kind of laying out the case that when all these new schools join in, in 2024, you know, right before OU and Texas will still be in the fold, he is of the opinion that the Big 12 should make it more of a spectacle for, for ratings and, and TV networks. He says kind of a launch party, he calls it, which I just – I love this idea. Uh, he says instead of just playing all of them on Saturday, uh, you Big 12 opponents – Spread out the game starting on Thursday, August 31st. And again, this is in 2023. Yeah, 2023. I'm sorry, not 2024. Play Spread out the games on Thursday, August 31st. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Monday. Or Sunday instead of Labor Day, if it, take your pick. Go to Fox or ESPN, which own the Big 12 rights through the 2024 season, and offer up the festival. It could be a major marketing tool. And again... Opening weekends are usually a dud, Colby. Oklahoma State usually playing like the Savannah States of the world. OU's playing UTEP this year to open the season. I think I hadn't really thought of this, Colby, just like that with all of these teams that are going to be coming in with OU in Texas, that's a real way to draw major viewership and really gain, you know, an audience for Big 12 football. You know, we, we talk about this all the time. The Big 12 is largely ignored by the national media. It's the flyover states. They pay it no attention. You do that where you own Thursday through almost Monday, even into Monday. That could be a real eye opener for TV markets if those games do really well, which I think they would. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I love the idea of playing on different nights. I've never really understood the NFL has always been been key on that. I mean, obviously it started with Monday night football. Now they've got Thursday night football. And I understand in college, you could have some concerns uh, about player safety, stuff like that. If guys are playing Saturday, turning around, playing Thursday. So you'd have to work it to where maybe like, obviously you'd be able to do it week one. And then after that, maybe you could incorporate some bye weeks where teams are playing their Thursday or Friday games after a bye week, something like that. And then they get extended rest into the next week. So I think that you can make it work, but you're exactly right. And, And Tram in that story, it's all about about owning more days on the calendar. I mean, that's what the NFL has been so good at. They own so many days on the calendar, free agency, trade deadline, the draft they make a huge deal out of. It's, you know, Thursday night football, Monday, Sunday. They they start to incorporate Saturdays as soon as college football is done. Boom, the NFL's playing on Saturdays. It's all about owning more days of the week, more time on the calendar. And like you said, for the Big 12, look, the Big 12 nationally is never, and I know some people don't want to hear this, it is never going to get the respect that the SEC see in the Big Ten get. It's just not going to happen. There's too many national people who are, are so dead set on that. And honestly, right now, the, the SEC for a long time has been far and away the best football conference in the country. I, I don't want to pretend that I'm saying something different. But the Big 12 to get more eyeballs on the product, which is what the Big 12 needs, which is what Oklahoma State needs. It's what Baylor needs. These programs that are really up and coming and I think could be really good programs over the next 10 years that could be desirable for some of these bigger conferences or for some of these streaming services or for some of these TV networks. You need more eyeballs on those games. I think it would greatly benefit uh, a, a school like Oklahoma State to have something like that going on where you're just getting more eyeballs on your program, more people are seeing Mike Gundy, more people are seeing, uh, you know, what Oklahoma State has put together on the defensive side of the ball because the perception nationally, I was having a conversation last week, Carson, last week with a guy I work with at Golf Channel who's an SEC guy, and, and basically he was telling me that if Oklahoma State came to the SEC, they're probably not a top 10 team in that conference. And and I'm, I'm listening off the teams, and I'm trying to figure it out and figure out where he's coming from and he's throwing out Tennessee and Florida <laughs> and Ole Miss and, and some of these other schools and I'm like you know Get the f- 
fuck out of here. Maybe, <laughs> maybe some years, maybe some years those schools pop up and all of a sudden one of these recruiting classes that they paid for is actually good. But that just shows such a misperception nationally of what has been happening in Stillwater. And that is so pervasive. People just have no idea. People nationally have no idea how good Oklahoma State's defense was last year. I mean, they heard people talking about it from time to time. Herb Street would throw something out. They have no idea that it was the second best defense in college football behind Georgia. And you just, you need more eyeballs on your product. Uh, so yeah, just, just back to the original point. I love that idea. Well, and, and what you're talking about here, Tram also wrote a piece about the odds of teams joining either the Big Ten or the SEC. And he had actual quotes from a bookmaker in Vegas. And he just was gushing about Oklahoma State. He's like, he said all the things that people ha that have two eyes and, and watch football already know that Mike Gundy's built a tremendous program. He basically exalted OSU and said they would be a great option for the SEC, a great option for the Big Ten based on the success they've had in football. He even mentioned all the resources they've had with facilities. This guy actually knows what he's talking about. And <laughs> the okay, let's let's just go let's just go down the SEC here. Georgia, OSU would have their hands full and probably lose. Kentucky, yep. GTFO. <laughs> Tennessee, capital GTFO. Missouri, they already pulled your pants down and spanked you when you were in the Big 12. GTFO. South Carolina, one of the worst Power 5 programs in America. GTFO. Florida, up and down, usually has inept coaching other than when they had Urban Meyer. They just made a new hire. We'll see how it goes. But Oklahoma State would beat Florida this year if they played on a neutral field, in my opinion. Vanderbilt, LOL, all caps, exclamation <laughs> points, laughing emojis. Alabama, we know. Yeah, Ole it's Miss easier to say which teams, which programs would actually be better than Oklahoma State over the course of a decade because it's a smaller list. It's Alabama, Georgia, uh, A&M, LSU. Who am I forgetting? No, no, no. Don't, don't throw A&M out there. Uh, well, I, I'm throwing A&M out there because in the new landscape of college football, they just, it's unbelievable how much money they have. It really is I, unbelievable. I'm not done. I'm not have. done. Alabama, right, okay. Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, you don't scare me, one iota. He's all talk. They score 50 points, but they give up 50. I think that would be a real, I think Ole Miss is a great comparison to Oklahoma State. Arkansas? Very impressed with Sam Pittman. That seems to be a home run hire. Arkansas was one of the worst power five schools in the country for a decade. They're recruiting at a high level. They're getting a ton of kids out of Tulsa. That would be a tough game. Mississippi State, Mike Leach, get out of here. A&M, A&M is getting so much credit, and they deserve credit, obviously, for beating Alabama. That was a great win on their home field. No doubt about it. They stumbled big time in the SEC last year. They've lost a ton. A&M doesn't scare me at all. I would pick Oklahoma State today to beat Texas A&M. They don't scare me at all. I, I hear what you're saying, though, Colby. They've got a ton of oil money. They're paying kids God knows what for NIL. In this new landscape, I'm a little bit more afraid of all that oil money they have. I wish Boone was around to, to slap back at Jimbo. Yeah. But yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll listen to A&M. I'll listen. But Auburn, get out of here. What has Auburn ever done besides just being in the – just by being in the SEC, they have an inflated perception. Like every time they go to a bowl game, they get beat. Oklahoma State would beat them on a neutral field. LSU, I'm scared of LSU always because the boot, I, yeah, the, boot, the boot has so many dudes. They only have to recruit Louisiana, and they're good to go. And Brian Kelly's a heck of a coach. He's not likable. He's going to win big. So LSU, OSU would obviously have their hands full. But so what did I say here? LSU, uh, A&M, maybe Arkansas, Bama, and Georgia. That's the list out of what? 16 teams? Or wait, one, two, three, four. I lose track. I mean, 16, right. Is it 16 one, right two, now or is it 16 three, once they four, throw you in Texas in? Uh, it's 14 right now. Okay, so once they throw you in Texas in, it'll be, uh, it'll be 16. Uh, and, and, and Oklahoma State doesn't fear those two either. No, and, and Oklahoma State falls behind OU in the pecking order, but Oklahoma State absolutely falls ahead of Texas in the pecking order. We actually do, Carson, have some fairly recent um, 
head-to-head on Oklahoma State and Texas A&M, the Texas Bowl from a few years ago, 2019. Texas A&M won 24-21. to Now, it's a Texas Bowl in 2019, so take that for what it's worth. Two programs were pretty evenly matched. The, the reason I threw Texas A&M out there as quickly as I did, I just – as much as I don't want to believe it and as much as I'm not a Texas A&M guy because I think that they have so overinflated their worth in college football over the last decade, it's embarrassing. I do think over the next decade, just simply from the fountain of money that is flowing in College Station, they are bound to stumble into a couple of really great years where they just I mean, it seems like they have to have one of the best teams in the country a couple of times over the next decade. They just have too much money not to. They do, and I've always said if Jimbo can't win there, nobody can because his floor, yeah. his ceiling might not be that high because he runs a very boring pro-style offense. I know this as a Florida State fan. Uh, but he knows how to build a program, and he obviously knows how to recruit even before NIL. He was getting dudes all over the place at, at Florida State and at LSU. Uh, lost tw- they, A&M lost 20-10 to 10 to Arkansas last year. Again, I, I'm really impressed with Sam Pittman. They lost – they lost to Mississippi State. They lost to Ole Miss by double digits. I mean, they just. I, I forgot they lost to Mississippi State. That's bad. That's a bad loss. Yeah, they lost to Mississippi State. Like, I just, I don't see it. And they lost their quarterback that was really good. They, they, they won at Colorado, mighty Colorado, 10 to 7. Like, <laughs> I mean, come on now. Like, I know AM beat Alabama, but like, People are talking about them like they're national title contenders. And I just, I got to see that. Win nine games, to quote my man Kyle Porter, before I get too excited. Yeah, I'm not there this year on A&M. Talk to me again in about three years. And and then we'll see where we're at on A&M. Yeah, I mean, you you make a good point. I mean, they had the number one recruiting class in the country. I mean, if you do that, you know, multiple years, it's all you almost have a talent pool that's, like, too good to fail at some point when you're recruiting at that level. Like, Recruiting number one classes, like you're going to have four stars that flame out. You're going to have some five stars that flame out. But as a whole, like you're going to be good. Just don't screw it up. So I, I'm with you on that. But again, it's A&M. This is what they've been since the beginning of time. And I, I, I'm going to wait and see it before it actually happens. But I just, I think that's a really good discussion. Just where Oklahoma State is as a program. I think they can go, they can go head to head with any conference. You know, Alabama, obviously, Georgia, like everyone has trouble with those two teams. So uh, you want to talk about Mike Gundy. Did you get a question on uh, Twitter about Mike Gundy? I did. It was a pretty good question. Came from Austin, Wright. Austin. We appreciate the, uh, the message here. He asked, he said, it would be interested to know how long we think Gundy has left, which it gets ever more important as the landscape of college football changes. Uh, and, and then once that day comes, do we think it's an internal promotion? Do we think, you know, what kind of system would we look for? Just something to not lose the steam that Oklahoma State has going right now because Mike Gundy is not going to do this forever, Carson. He has said that he doesn't want to do this forever, but he also seems kind of a little bit rejuvenated right now. But I think this is a great question because right now, more than ever, you need stability and you need success. And, man, stability and success – that, that has been Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State. So when that era finally does end, Carson, it, it's going to be a, a little nervy depending on what's happening around college football to make sure Oklahoma State's in a good position. I, I don't know. How long do you think Mike Gundy wants to do this? Well, I, I'm kind of glad everything's blown up now versus 2025, 26, when I think Mike Gundy will hang it up. I think hopefully this all, all the smoke clears, all the dust is settled, and Oklahoma State's in a – premier you know big 12 that's you know obviously not on the level of an sec but again i'm sorry to go on another diatribe like no please do the big 10 like i know they have a lot of like the reason they have their giant tv deal is because of eyeballs they have massive massive alumni there are a ton of alumni from the big 10 i understand all of that but if you just look at the Big Ten, who in that conference, other than Ohio State, is any good at all today? Michigan, maybe. Like, Michigan, I think, is a byproduct of getting to play all those rum-dums in that terrible, slow, not-forward-pass conference. The Big Ten stinks! <laughs> I mean, I, uh... get out of here with the Big Ten. Like, 
so like my point back to my point as long as the dust settles and the smoke clears and the big 12 is what I think going to be the third best conference as a whole in terms of TV contracts and all those things. I think when you get these new teams into the big 12 and they continue on the trajectory they're on currently compared to the, the trajectory of the big 10 schools are on top to bottom, give me the big 12 right now. I will go play you one through 16 or however many teams are in the damn conference at the time. And the big 12 is going to go kick the big 10s ass. I'm sorry. The big 10s terrible. They get this great TV deal. Cause they got a ton of people. That doesn't mean their football's any good at all. I, I the sec standings pulled up. I'm going to pull up the big 10 standings and I'm going to catch my breath. I'll let you go. No, no, pull them up because you said Ohio state and Ohio state's the obvious one. Other than that, I would say you could probably rotate years where these schools will be either worse or better than Oklahoma state. So basically I think over the course of, of 10, 20 years, long-term it'd be a wash with these programs. I think those programs are Michigan, Penn state, um, probably Wisconsin has had some good years. I don't really know how I feel about Michigan state. They did make a college football playoff. I think maybe I have to throw them in there cause they made a college football playoff. And then the one that I really don't know how I feel about, and actually I do know how I feel about it, but for some reason they, they just pop up and win 11 games occasionally. And that's Iowa. And I know that Oklahoma state's better than Iowa. I know that the program's better. I know Oklahoma state would be better long-term, but I still sit here and I'm like, is Iowa good? And I don't feel like I even know whether Iowa is good. So that's, that's kind of would be my rebuttal. I think there's a handful of programs in the Big Ten that over the course of 10, 20 years long-term would be more or less interchangeable from a success standpoint on field with Oklahoma State. Colby, I was just trying to yell over you as you were talking, and I realized I had rested the microphone on my chest to type up the standings, and you couldn't hear any of it. I was yelling, Iowa stinks. And, and just imagine, just imagine this, Colby. You know, Iowa, they wear these pretty gold pants, these black jerseys, these black helmets. Imagine them wearing these pristine yellow pants. And Braylon Presley is in the open field. And this big, lumbering, slow safety Look, his eyes get big. He sees this little jitterbug moving right at him. And those gold pants, Colby, would turn solid brown because he would absolutely crap his pants knowing he had no chance in hell of tackling Braylon Presley in the open field. You're right. Get out of here with Iowa. You're right. Get out of here with the Big Ten. I don't even know why I debated Iowa. You're right. Uh, I will listen to Michigan State. I think Michigan State and Oklahoma State are very, very, very – I've said this for years. Mark D'Antonio did a great job at Michigan State. Uh, made a college football playoff, which you referenced. They're very, they have this, this blue blood power within their state in Michigan, very similar to Oklahoma State. I do like Mel Tucker. Um, let me just go down the list here. Okay, Indiana. Ha! Remember Indiana in the Insight Bowl when they saw Des Bryant get off the bus and all their white pants turn brown? I do. I was there. It was terrible. It was horrifying for them. They've never recovered from it, actually. They've never seen an athlete of Des Bryant's caliber. Uh, they're out of here. Maryland, an absolute joke of a football program. Not worth discussing. Michigan, Paper Tiger. Put them on a, put them on a neutral field with Oklahoma State. I'd love to see it. We'll take down Big Blue. No problem. Uh, well, it would probably be a problem. It'd be a good game, but let's not act like Michigan would just, you know, run rough shot over Oklahoma state, Michigan state, good program, good team. It'd be a fun game. I would still pick Oklahoma state, Ohio state. You're the Alabama. We get it. Penn state. They're good. They're good. They're a really good program. Be a good game. Rutgers <laughs> Rutgers. How are you guys even in the big 10? Get out of my face. Illinois, joke of a program, one of the worst Power Five programs in existence. They're right there with Kansas, in my opinion, on just being in a blue blood conference that has done zero on the football field. Iowa, you're good. Ferentz has kept you all afloat. I think you're mostly a byproduct of getting to play Rutgers, Maryland, all those joke programs. Minnesota, you don't scare me. Nebraska, relic program was good in the 90s when y'all were cheating and had Tom Osborne getting dudes out of California. They ain't coming back. That door's closed. Northwestern, great journalism school. Congrats on that. Stink at football. Purdue, 
Remember Purdue, Colby, in the Heart oh, of Dallas Bowl? I remember Purdue. Remember them in the Heart of Dallas Bowl, how overwhelmed they were by a 7-5 and five OSU football team? They looked like a high school program. I mean, it was, like, laughable. And Wisconsin, really good program. No negative things to say. Oklahoma State is trying to be Wisconsin in that you win the league some years and make it to the playoff slash Rose Bowl for them, wherever the bowl ties are for Big 12. So what is that? Wisconsin, I'll listen to. Um, God, that division, the, the West division is so bad. It's Wisconsin, Purdue, Northwestern, Nebraska, Minnesota, Iowa, Illinois. <laughs> that is bad football. That's just really, really bad football. Uh, Rutgers. Okay. So what do I have here? Wisconsin from that entire division. Okay. Moving on. Penn state, Ohio state, Michigan state, Michigan. Oh, okay. Like, but again, Colby, my whole point other than Ohio state, I'll go toe to toe with any of those jokers. Like the notion that the big 12 is just this little engine that could is a joke. I would put Baylor up against half those programs. Uh, no, I would too. And I mean, Baylor, Baylor's turned into a really good program and gosh, I love me some David Randa. It's uh, yeah, no, I think we were pretty much lockstep on most of those. I don't know why I was trying to talk myself into Iowa again. It's because occasionally they pop up with an 11 win season, but then I have to remind myself every time they do that, it's because they only played Illinois, Indiana, Rutgers, those schools. Uh, even you can throw Nebraska in there. I mean, Nebraska is an absolute joke. Yeah, they don't, they don't play Michigan or Ohio state in those years. Like, right. That's right. like the only teams that matter on the other side. Yeah. And the years they do, they struggle. They, they get their brains beat in. So, uh, yeah, look, I, I don't, I don't have any misconceptions about Oklahoma state that they are Alabama or that they are Ohio state or that they are Clemson, but Oklahoma state is just kind of in that next tier of programs. That's just hanging out needs a few things to go right. And just needs a little bit more money in this, uh, in this modern landscape of college football. But yeah, I think Oklahoma state's very well positioned. I think, uh, what, what was the original point here? I think we were talking about, uh, with, Oh yeah. We're talking about Mike Gundy, how long he's going to stick around. Um, hopefully you think 25 to 27, I I think more, he turns 55 in about three weeks. I think he could do this until 55 turns, turns 55 on August 12th. I just looked my God. We are all just looked. Uh, yes, yes. Everyone's getting old. Uh, 55 here in a few weeks for Mike Gundy was born in 1967. Shout out Mike Gundy. Um, I, I think he could do this. Maybe this is me being optimistic. I feel like he's rejuvenated. I feel like a lot of winning is in the immediate future for Oklahoma state. It's hard to step away whenever you're winning because winning's fun. I, I think he could do it till 2030 Carson. So what would that put him age wise? Is that 10 years? Uh, that'd be another years? eight years. So he'd be like 62, 63, right in that range. Well, you just kind of like, talked me totally off my take here um i have gunner gundy's uh roster profile pulled up and i've always been of the opinion that whenever gunner graduates mike will ride off into the sunset with him i think he wanted to see him through once he decided to go to oklahoma state and he's made a ton of money he can go do whatever but as you were talking like i just kind of thought about mike as a person and and i don't i don't claim to know mike i mean mike knows my name we've we've been nothing but but cordial uh, in our dealings. He just strikes me as a guy that would take a step back and be like, well, what am I going to do if I retire? Like, I don't, I don't have any illusions. He's going to be Bill Snyder coaching into his seventies or eighties. No, don't, don't take it that way. But I do think he would think, you know what? Farming's fun, but do I want to put, do I want to make that a full-time thing that I do to fill my time? I don't, well, I don't where's the it. thrill. Where's the thrill from farming, Carson? You don't get a thrill from farming. You get a thrill from that Bedlam game last year. That's where your thrill comes from. And I'm saying, if you think like I do, that as OU and Texas move out and the new conference forms, that Oklahoma State's going to be a power in that conference, I think 10 wins is going to become a perennial thing for Oklahoma State potentially over the next decade. Winning is fun. It is so much harder to walk away when you're winning. And that's a great point, too. Salient point for what I was kind of getting at, too. I've... Again, I don't know Mike, but I know plenty of people who do. And, you know, a lot of people, Colby, they say, hey, I'm competitive. I want to win at checkers or, you know, for shooting free throws. I want to, like, when Mike was the offensive coordinator under Les Miles, he wanted to absolutely gut you. He wanted to go for the jugular. He is one of those dudes that gets that thrill you're mentioning from competition. And 
he is that he is that type of guy from from everyone I've ever spoken to. He is one of the more competitive people you'll meet. And he doesn't come across that way because I think he wants to be the CEO and wants to, you know, be the face of the program. And but deep down in his core, behind closed doors, he wants to cut your throat and he wants to win at all costs and he wants to be a competitor. So I've backed off my original prediction was that, you know, Gunnar Gundy's a redshirt freshman. That would put him at 22, 23, 24, 25, 26. I was originally going to say about 2026. I might even go past you, Colby. I think he might coach into his 60s, like well into his 60s. Okay, well um, into his 60s. That's uh, – I mean, he's I young. He's, he's fit. I mean, he's doing one-handed push-ups in 100-degree heat. He's in great shape. Like, I don't know. Like, and I really – like, I put a ton of stock in the new administration. Like, if you like who you work for, it makes you want to do that job tenfold. And I think that's where he is right now. Like, if, if Mike Holder was still the AD, well, then I would definitely predict – as soon as Gunner was done, because he was tired of dealing with the guy. But he's been so empowered by this new administration. I think he's going to coach four, five, six, seven years beyond Gunner Gundy. I really do. And then, of course, Colby, I've talked about this on the on the last show about Big 12 Media Days. When when they're not good at OSU, like he's down. Like that season, he was being so crass with the media. He had lost a ton of weight. He he takes losing really hard. So if they're if they're not you know, where they are right now coming off the great season they had and they're, they've put three or four losing seasons together, then all bets are off. But if they're on the trajectory they've been on pretty much since Gundy took over, then hell, I, I might even go the over on your number. You're uh, I felt like my work here is done, Carson. I, I, I laid it out for you. I gave you the age. I said how much fun winning is and you backed it up a decade. I feel like my work here is done. Well, I mean, I was just thinking about Gundy's personality as you were talking, and it made I think you made great points, and you sold me. Don't, just don't try to sell me insurance or anything. I might buy that, too. <laughs> great question, Austin. Great question uh, in the dog days of summer here. Yeah, hopefully Mike Gundy's around for a while because, seriously, Carson, if all of this stuff was happening right now in college football and Oklahoma State – had to go out and hire a first-time coach from Western Kentucky to come in and hope that he could, you know, just keep stability going, I would be so much more nervous about where Oklahoma State is headed as things continue to reshuffle. I would, too. And someone posed that to me um, on Twitter. It was Kyle Dahlgren, OU fan, about realignment. And I was kind of quoting some numbers on where OSU's been. And some of those were gun. He's only behind Dabo and, and Saban in terms of double-digit wins. Uh, over the last whatever X amount of years. I can't remember the number. And he kind of warned me, well, that, hey, when if Gundy's not there, what does OSU turn into? And I, I'm kind of of the opinion that on the infrastructure alone with the facilities and what OSU – OSU is a football school now. And you could certainly argue if they made a Boynton-type hire in football, they could recruit even better than they have. Like, I'm not, I'm not so much concerned about who the guy is after Gundy. Now – it can go south in a hurry. We saw that in Nebraska. It can happen to any program. Tennessee, like Tennessee has 105,000 fans and they can't win. Like infrastructure only matters as good as your head coach. So, I mean, I don't ask you for a name here, Colby, but if Gundy quit tomorrow, what do you think, what type of, what type of hire, I guess I'm asking, do you think they would make? I'll be real honest. I, I don't know right now that it would be internal. I think Oklahoma State goes out and gets whatever they think the next big young guy is. And, and I don't know who that is, but, you know, I, I just randomly threw out Western Kentucky. It's, it's not necessarily me saying that that would be a terrible hire. It would just make me nervous in the landscape of college sports. But I think Oklahoma State, uh, you know, when that day comes, I think Oklahoma State's going to be the kind of program that is at the top of the list for an up-and-coming hot young coach looking to vault onto the scene. And, you know, there will be some fans who will have concerns with that. You know, if you go out and get that guy and then he comes here and has great success for four years, well, what happens whenever Ohio State takes him like they did with Jim Knowles? Well, if Ohio State takes him, then that means he had a whole bunch of success here, and let's try to run it back and do it again. So I think that Oklahoma State – 
has elevated itself to the caliber of program and will continue to get there where a, a hot young coach at a little bit lower level, I'm not talking about, you know, a, a division three coach or anything like that. I'm talking about division one, but maybe non-power five has a great program going young, hungry recruiter, stuff like that. I think Oklahoma state's positioned itself very well as a program to start getting that guy when the Mike Gundy era finally inevitably comes to an end one day. You know who I'm intrigued by? Who's that? And I got to see it this year. And who knows if he's even on this. I just predicted Mike Gundy would coach into the 2030s. So this is probably a terrible idea. But uh, Derek Mason intrigues me a whole lot. I mean, he won at Vanderbilt. Yeah. He won at Vanderbilt. That is hard to do. And I, I say one. He won by Vanderbilt standards. Not It's like he won 10 games. Um. But, you know, he, he seems to identify with players. He, he's just a name that came to mind. But, again, like, we, we both think Gundy's coaching a long time. But and, and also, Oklahoma State's paying Mike Gundy, like, the best money in the country besides, like, Saban and Smart and those dudes in the SEC. Like, they can make a substantial offer salary-wise to whomever will replace Mike Gundy. That's why I'm not – like if this was, you know, back when they were hiring the Les Mileses of the world, they didn't have any money. <laughs> they had to take, you know, Les Miles was like the tight ends coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Imagine if Oklahoma State hired the tight ends coach of the Dallas Cowboys today. We'd be all be like, what? Who? Huh? Like, I, I think those days are long gone. So I feel really good about it. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, Derek Mason, just for reference, he'll be 53 at the end of September. So right at about two years younger than Mike Gundy. See, I would never have guessed he's younger than Mike Gundy. I think I would have guessed he was older. Uh, I would have guessed right kind of in the same realm. I, I probably would have had him at about the 50 to 55 range. So, yeah, right there in the middle. Yep, that's good. Um, Tennessee got the hammer, Colby. Tennessee uh, get the hammer. You were telling me about it. I, I've missed this story, so inform me, inform me and the so listeners. The punishment has not actually been levied yet, but, oh, man, Jeremy Pruitt. Yikes, 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 yikes. So... Uh, 16 wins in three years at Tennessee. And as of today, those 16 wins and 19 losses, by the way, coupled with 18 NCAA level one violations. And Carson, I'm honestly not sure how I feel about it because the NCAA has wronged Oklahoma State so many times that I just have such disdain just deep down in my soul for that organization that even whenever they go get a program that deserves to be got, I still just, it makes me cringe that the NCAA still has any power. It, it was essentially coach Pruitt, his wife, also some assistants had like an organized orchestrate orchestrated way to funnel money illegally to players and they're being hit with 18 level one violations and i don't know how to feel about it carson because uh it is the ncaa and li like i just said my disdain for them runs deep well and like right now like i know they hammered oklahoma state basketball maybe they'll hammer tennessee football but i'm kind of dubious right now like what power does the ncaa really have i mean what they could reduce scholarships like i don't know i'm it just seems like osu literally osu basketball is literally the only people that have suffered any repercussions at all from the ncaa which only infuriates me more but i'm kind of like now with the nil stuff colby i know this was jeremy pruitt but like isn't everyone cheating now and just saying, what are you going to do about it? Like, look at Kansas basketball. Like they, if anyone should have got the absolute sledgehammer, it's Kansas basketball. They had Bill Self literally cheating via text or voicemail and they got nothing and won the national championship. It's just, it seems like the wild West to me. So I'll, I'll be, uh, I won't be waiting with bated breath on Tennessee getting the hammer. No, I won't either. And honestly, it's, I don't know that Tennessee deserves the hammer. I mean, those, those guys are gone. The, the people who, who made those mistakes, uh, not mistakes, the people who made those choices and who did those things are gone. I mean, why does Tennessee deserve the hammer now? If you want to give a hammer, give it to Jeremy Pruitt. You know, show, show him a, a five or 10 year suspension from coaching in college athletics. That's where the hammer needs to come down. So, uh, you know, they, they did implement the new rule, which I, I think could essentially be dubbed the Oklahoma State basketball rule, where you, you, they're not supposed to levy 
heavy sanctions against schools uh, for, for things that past coaches have done. I mean, that's essentially the, the Oklahoma State Mike Boynton rule. But I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, but I'll be real honest. I don't trust that they're going to get it right. We can debate what right is. But I, I just fully believe that whenever the NCAA's decision on punishment actually comes out, we're all going to be scratching our heads thinking, how did they possibly come to that conclusion? Okay, so my girlfriend is an OU grad, and she wants me to go to an OU game this year. And I told her, look, I still do my OSU podcast. I'm an OSU alum. I ain't wearing anything OU. And so I kind of brainstormed a little bit. Guess what T-shirt I bought to wear to an <laughs> OU football game this Saturday? Tennessee. No, I oh. bought an app, an actual replica T-shirt of what Brian Bosworth wore on the field, national oh, communist oh, oh. against athletes with the letters going downwards. So it, it's great. It's a Bosworth t-shirt, but it's also me sticking the middle finger to the NCAA that screwed OSU basketball. It's great. It has no red on it. It's like the perfect shirt to wear in Norman. And I can be totally, you know, my sanctity is intact. Colby. Carson, I just have to say that is absolute brilliance on your part. Uh, very well thought out. Very well thought out on how to make that work uh, where you don't get totally harassed in Norman and you don't have to put on any OU garb and you get to stick it to the NCAA. That's called uh, the old Michael Scott win, win, win. I uh, like, you know, I'm not like, you know, I mean, I, clearly I went to OSU. I'm alum, but like, I'm not like opposed to wearing an OU shirt because I, I love my girlfriend, obviously, and I want to support her. And if we're going to a game together, like I'm, I could be tucked into it. But Colby, in the moment of truth, I was like, I can't do it. I, I, I'm literally not going to spend one dime of my hard-earned money on anything OU. When am I ever going to wear this other than this one Saturday I go to an OU game? This shirt, I'll wear to an OSU game, and everyone will love right. it. So I'm, right. I'm all in on it. So, so here's, the, uh, here's the problem with, you know, you want to wear the shirt, you want to support your girlfriend, all that good stuff. The problem is it is 2022, so as soon as somebody who recognizes you spots you, they're going to snap a picture, they're going to put it on Twitter, and the whole world's going to lose its mind. Not the whole world. Our listeners are going to lose their minds because you're in an OU football game uh, supporting your girlfriend wearing an OU shirt. So the Bosworth shirt, much better direction to go. Believe me, I thought of that. I was like, I, I'm like, babe, I still do an OSU pocket. I can't be pictured in an, in an OU shirt. So I talked her out of that pretty quick. I think I had to wear one one time because I lost a bet. I think I had to take a – maybe when I was with the franchise, I had to, I lost a bet and had to take a picture wearing an OU T-shirt. Uh, it seems like I have some that that somewhere back in my distant memory. So uh, I can't imagine it was very fun. I don't really remember it too well, but it definitely happened. Don't take it by your orange Christmas tree or your mom's orange Christmas tree. No doubt. Yeah, that would, <laughs> uh, I would be permitted to enter the house. We need to get you out of here, right? Uh, yes, sir. Let's uh, you want to do some bullets and BBs? Yeah, let's knock it out. Oh, I mean, how does the bullet not go to the redesign of the field? It is simple. Yet elegant, Oklahoma State in the end zones, OSU, and Carson, the colors. I mean, you want to talk about America's brightest orange. Uh, ben Hutchins on Twitter has a picture comparing the new field to Bedlam from last year. Oh, my God, those end zones were faded, and I didn't even realize it. Now it is America's brightest orange on that field. It looks so, so, so good. Uh, can't wait to get back inside Boone Pickens Stadium. Big-time bullet to that crew. It certainly pops. It really pops the the orange and all that. I was disappointed there was no curse of cowboys. I got my hopes up. Yeah. Were you not disappointed by that? I I don't know because here's my only problem with curse of cowboys. You're redoing the field, the turf, right? That's around for a long time. That's a big expense. You're gonna have that turf for a long time. We have to make sure that the curse of cowboys aren't a phase that the fans are, are just in love with. I think that uh, it was it was simple. There were no risks taken. OSU insignia on the middle. Oklahoma State in the end zones. W would I have been, you know, uh, a little worked up at, at having cursive Cowboys in the end zones? I would have thoroughly enjoyed that, but I understand why they didn't do it. Yeah, I just, I guess I got my hopes up. So, but I'll I'll, I'll give a bullet as well um, to the field. It looks great. I mean, I'm. It got me so excited. For football season, I, I just I cannot wait for this season in particular. I, I think Oklahoma State's got a real chance to win the Big 12. And the, there's just something about a freshly laid down field in Boone Pickens Stadium. And, and also, too, like, it's just it's so cool to me as a guy who 
grew up with his dad taking him to Lewis Field. Old Rustoleum on that horrible crown astroturf. Just to see what that stadium's become and what the fan base has become. We are a legitimate football school. And I, I know it's just astroturf, but it just kind of reminds me of how far OSU's football program truly has become. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a, a bullet for that as well. Yeah, no, I love that. I uh, I was looking for something else here, something that we haven't already talked about, but uh, not a lot of bullets to go around, or not a lot of BBs to go around in July. Things are pretty good in Oklahoma State world. So I'm going to give a dual BB, Carson, to what we just talked about, to both Tennessee and the NCAA. And here's why they both get BBs. Tennessee, that fan base, Carson, back in 2017, threw the biggest fit that you have ever seen a fan base throw to basically make sure that Greg Schiano didn't wind up there. They wanted Philip Fulmer as the AD. They wanted Jeremy Pruitt as the head coach. And you know what they got? They got 16 wins. They got 19 losses. And they got 18 level one violations. Jeremy Pruitt's going to leave them with sanctions. It's got to be one of the worst hires of the last decade in all of Power 5 college football. It's just been a complete train wreck. And then... I just, I'm going to throw the obligatory NCAA BB out there because they're going to screw this up. And I don't know how they're going to do it yet, but it's going to happen. So Tennessee NCAA dueling BBs. I love both of those. Those are really good. And yeah, Tennessee is just, they're pretty much the A&M of the SEC. Although they actually won a national title and A&M hasn't done that since God, who knows when they, all their made up national titles. You don't even know when they actually won one. I think they count the Manziel year as a national title, though. I think they claim it. Yeah, they beat OU in the Cotton Bowl. Give him a ring, national title. Uh, I'm going to give myself a BB. I spoke during a no-hitter. I kept seeing oh. email after email after email on social media. Tickets denied for the Masters. Tickets denied. My inbox was clean and clear. And what did I do? I tweeted, hey, haven't gotten my email yet. Hope this means I won tickets. Not five minutes later, I got my denial email once oh, again. No, Carson. I spoke during a no-hitter, Colby. I give myself a BB for that. That is brutal. That is absolutely brutal. Uh, I've got a theory, by the way. I think the – am I allowed to say this now that I work for Golf Channel? I think the Masters lottery is a myth. I've never seen anybody win it. I don't know who does. I think it's a myth. I, uh, one of my best friends won, uh, he won practice round tickets, which is, which to me, like, I don't even want to go. I don't want to get teased. I want to see golf. Like the practice rounds are fun and they're cool. And I would definitely probably go. I'm probably, you know, too much hubris over here. Cause I'm pissed about the rounds, but like, wouldn't that be like the biggest tease to go to Augusta national and not get to see one shot hit like for like, um, an actual tournament round. Here's a question for you because I think I know my answer. I think it might surprise some people. Would you rather attend the final round of the Augusta National Women's Amateur or go on Monday of the practice round for the Masters? Monday. Not even close. I, I'm, I'm a big enough golf nerd. I think I would actually rather go to the final round of the Anwa to watch meaningful golf shots on, on that golf course. I, I want to watch meaningful golf shots on that golf course. Practice round. From women you've never all, heard of. Congrats. You're going to see a whole bunch of guys chipping and putting. Women you've never heard of. Again, I'm a golf nerd. I love the Augusta National Women's Amateur. I block it off on my calendar every year. I was watching the final round, Carson, in the delivery room this year as my wife was in labor. I love the Anwa final round. It's meaningful golf shots at, a, at Augusta National. Honestly, I'll take that over a bunch of guys chipping and putting to try to figure out what the greens do. Oh, God. Golf Channel needs to give you a raise for that propaganda you just spewed. <laughs> like, uh, look, I, I try. Like, I, I certainly appreciate women's golf. It's they're, they're way more talented than I think anyone ever gives them credit for. I just have no interest. So I'm, I'm going on Monday. Sure. I, uh, Carson, right now as we're recording this podcast, I am watching the semifinals of the U.S. Girls Junior, and it is riveting. I'm just, I'm a nerd. I know. I'm a nerd. We need to get out of here. What'd they shoot, like 96? Uh, no, not quite. I'm just not kidding. Quite. I'm going to get canceled you know, I, if I keep I talking. Know, I don't even know what golf course they're on, by the way, but it's a beautiful golf course. I need to look it up. All right, Colby, get us out of here before I get canceled. All right, everybody, have a good weekend. Uh, hopefully, uh, we can watch some good golf, and good stories can continue to come out of the Big 12 and with Oklahoma State. As always, go Pokes.